Well, good morning. Joel surprised me on Friday, really big surprise, but uh, called and said, uh, preach. Well, thankfully, I've got a few, a few sermons that I've preached over the years. I have been a pastor, so praise God. And I do want to say thank you to everybody here. Y'all have been such a great church family for us. My kids, Mike and Allie, they'll be here in the next service, I think. I don't think they're here yet. But y'all have been just superbly awesome to us over the years. I'm going to put my water back here. I think that's a good place to put it because i got some sinus problems and uh, but dealing with that. But I do want to thank you for being a faithful church family. Y'all have been just a wonderful, even when I was away pastoring, y'all have been a good church home for me. And the last time that we, we left uh, to go, or I left, I went, left my kids here, uh, because uh, they just, they said, we don't want to leave Grace Life. I gave them a choice, and so they stayed here. And, uh, and y'all have just continued to equip them, and uh, I'm proud of my kids. So I'm not going to talk too much about that because I'll get emotional very quickly because I love my kids and they're great. And those of you that know them know that. So if you've got your Bible today, turn over to Numbers chapter 20. And I uh, want to deal with uh, a passage in the Old Testament. I was uh, thinking about when Joel called me, I didn't have any idea what I was going to preach, honestly. And uh, really uh, working Friday, didn't have a lot of time just to spend, you know, I like to take some time. Uh, kind of be in the, in the passage and, and just pray through it all week and think about it and meditate on it. And this week, of course, didn't have that much time. And so I was praying about uh, a message I could preach. I want to preach a message that I have preached before, uh, but I want to preach it in a little bit different way today for you. Uh, and by the way, there's a big, big discussion about plagiarism in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention today. I'll tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you this message, a part of it, uh, the illustration part came from somebody else. I can give you the guy's name later if you want it. I'll just say that up front. Uh, not much preachers do is original. I'll tell you that. Uh, first of all, uh, we should be taking everything from God's Word, right? That's where it starts in, uh, as we preach the Word. But beyond that, there, there are things, and not that we just take word for word. Yeah, that would be plagiarism. Yeah, I get that. But, uh, but as I said, some of what I'm going to be talking about today are things that have been preached before, so it's nothing new. But as I was thinking about where we are as a church, and uh, by the way, thankful to be back here. I think two weeks ago, Covenant Service uh, was able to become a part of the church again. Uh, I, took, uh, I took Membership Matters for the third time, and I think I finally passed it this time maybe, <laughs> and uh, they told me I could actually teach it. I said, sure, I know everything here, but uh, so anyway, it was, uh, it was good to do that, and, uh, and also the last couple weeks, last couple months, I've been able to help out with the church uh, in, the, in the area and preach for them. And the bad thing is they, their, their minister of music is, um, is, has had a kidney transplant. So he's been out. And so they want me to lead their music, which I'll tell you is a train wreck. Um, I'm, I'm not a minister. And pre preaching may be a little better, hopefully. But the music, yeah, it was okay. We, uh, we sang some hymns and had a good time. But uh, it is good to be here today with you. And as I said, I was thinking about what we're, what we're about to do as a church. We're about to step out into something new, right? Something that hasn't happened here in a long time. Really, everything that's happened here for Grace Life has been right on this property. I think I got the history straight in my mind. So we're about to step out and do something really cool. Uh, if you're like me, you're really excited about it, right? Uh, even if I was still pastoring, I was going to want to come to the to the first service, the dedication. Uh, and so I've been excited about it for a long time as you have. Well, I want to, just as I was thinking about that today, I was thinking... You know, we, we need to be thinking about what's going to happen once we get there. We're going to have, it's going to be a wonderful place. We're going to have a place for all of our kids. We're going to have a place, a comfortable place to worship, a place where we can reach our community. 
And, uh, but there are going to come times. There are going to come times of discouragement. There are going to come times of that. And Joel alluded to that. We, we all go through those times of discouragement, especially in church work. Uh, if you're a leader in the church, if you've been a pastor before, I know some of you have been, uh, there, there are difficulties in the church, mainly because we deal with people, and we're sinful, aren't we? We're sinful people. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems that you have to work through. And uh, this passage we're going to read in just a second about Moses and uh, a passage you probably read and studied before. But I want to take some time this morning and think about it. But I want to share a story with you that I shared really the last time I preached. Or how many of y'all were here the last time I preached? Probably nobody. Oh, there was a few people. Okay. All right. Uh, there was a few. I was, but maybe you remember that message. It's a message that means a lot to me. God's will, God's way. But uh, as uh, this happened 20-something years ago when I was in seminary, and as I came to the end of that seminary time, I was, had resumes out. I was looking for churches, and uh, I had two choices, uh, really, for myself. Those were the two callings God had placed on me. And I could have done other things, but two things I was focused on were being a pastor and being a youth pastor. And so I had resumes out for both of those. And so as, as the process went by, uh, not much was happening. I wasn't getting a lot of love from anybody, really. I had a few things of interest here and there. And so I had one church in Florida that, that began to talk to me about being their, their youth pastor. And so we interviewed and interviewed with them, and, and things went. It was a pretty good interview, I thought. But uh, after I got off there, I prayed about it. Really, just really didn't believe, though, that was where God wanted me to go. Good church, a lot of good stuff happening. It just didn't seem like uh, the, the place for me to go. And so God said no, very clearly. Well, a few days later, I got a phone call from the chairman of deacons at that church, and he said, he said, Jeff, uh, I really just want to ask you what, what, what happened? What happened? And he asked me two things. He said one thing, and he asked me another. Uh, he, he, asked me, he asked me, now, what, uh, he said, did you talk to any other churches in the community? He said, did you talk to any churches in the area? And I didn't. I was young and dumb. I was in my, in my 20s at that point. Not that I'm a whole lot more mature now, but... Uh, at that point, I just, I, I didn't do that. Today, when I talk to a church, I, I try to do that. I try to do my research. At that point, I was a little desperate, honestly, looking for that. And so, when, when uh, I didn't do it, and then he said something else that, that stuck with me. The first thing should have stuck with me, but the second thing did not. He said, he said, Jeff, the, the, the search committee really is disappointed that you said no. They're very disappointed that you said no to us. And so, that's what stuck with me. That stuck in my brain. And so the more I thought about that, I began to think, well, maybe this is what God wants for me. Uh, I, I, and I'm really not getting any, any, uh, any, any, any interest from other churches, so I need to probably take this. So I did. I called him back and said, this is what I want to do. So we moved and got there. And <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. It was a, one of the worst years of ministry I've ever had. Uh, difficult. I could spend an hour telling you about all the different things that happened that year, and God made it very clear that he had told me no. He had told me no. Here's what happened. Uh, I, I, I really did not believe God enough that he was going to open another door for me. Uh, it, was a, it was a belief problem. It was a belief thing for me. I didn't believe God enough that he was going to take care of me and my family. I just I didn't believe it. So that's what it boiled down to. So I accepted the first thing that came along, and I paid for it. I learned the lesson the hard way. Well, I think that's kind of what we see here with Moses in this passage. Let's look at Numbers chapter 20. 
beginning in verse 1. And uh, in Numbers chapter 20, you have uh, the children of Israel coming to the end of their wilderness wanderings. You know, they've been doing it for 40 years. They come to the end of that time. And so they're, they're coming to the end of it, and they're getting ready. They're very close to going into the promised land. It's, about, it's the end of the 40 years, the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And so uh, in this chapter, we see in the beginning of chapter 20, at the beginning and at the end, we see the death of two important people, the death of Miriam, Moses and Aaron's sister. And at the end of the chapter, we see Aaron's death. So two things that really affected Moses and what he was doing. So let's start in verse 1, and we'll kind of read down and kind of make some comments as we go along today. And I want you to think about, as we're reading this, I want you to think about yourself. Think about where you are in your relationship with God. Have in mind, in the back of your mind, we're about to move into a new building. We're about to move into a new building. We have a lot of new challenges, a lot of new things coming up. And I want to think about a new and a better way of doing things. Maybe so much, maybe not a, a new way, but the best way to do things. So let's start in verse 1. And the people of Israel... The whole congregation came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people stayed in Kadesh. And Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Now, is this the first time we see something like this in Scripture? No. Happens a lot with the children of Israel. But Exodus chapter 17, uh, I don't know if we have it on the screen or not. You can turn back there with me. Exodus chapter 17, uh, beginning in uh, verse 1. Just listen. It says, All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin and sages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Now, uh, there are some people that think these are the, the same incident. No, two separate incidents, probably separated by about 38 to 40 years. So they camped at Rephidim. Verse 2, therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with those? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? So with that as a backdrop, let's go back to chapter 20 here. And so the, the, the children of Israel are doing the same thing. They're quarreling. They're grumbling. They are complaining. They're not believing God. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said it was a conditional reflex. Whenever the Israelites faced a difficulty, they complained about it to Moses and Aaron and wept because they hadn't stayed in Egypt. Difficulties either bring out the best in people or the worst. They either mature us or make us more childish. Israel's words and attitudes reveal clearly that their hearts were still in Egypt. What a picture of the professed Christian who still loves the world and turns to the world for help whenever there's a problem. Isn't that our nature? Whenever we reach a problem in our Christian life, what do we do? We think about the past. 
we think about uh, when we were comfortable over here. Well, maybe, maybe God wants me to go back to that place. Maybe God wants me to go back there because it was easier over there. Well, that's not God's plan. God's plan is for us to believe him and to trust him more. So let's look back at uh, verse 6. It says, Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, and I want you to notice the differences here between, between uh, Exodus chapter 17 and here. He says, take the staff, assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the, to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. So up to this point, Moses is doing what God wants him to do. What's the difference? What did God tell Moses the first time? To do what? To speak, to, to strike it. He told him to strike it the first time. This time, what does he tell him to do? To speak to the rock. Different. Now let's keep reading. Verse 10, it says, Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, again, up to here, it looks like Moses is doing okay. Moses is doing what he's supposed to do. Well, then, then you begin to see what's going on in Moses' mind. He says, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? <laughs> so he, he gets angry very quickly. To be honest with you, I don't blame him. I'd be, I'd be pretty upset with him too, wouldn't you? It'd be, I, I, we, we get on him here, but I would be upset too. So he, he gets angry. He does that. Uh, one commentator said this, There are hundreds of explanations for Moses' illustration here, but not a single excuse. So there's no excuse for what he did here. If God has placed you in a place of leadership, there will be many reasons for you to become frustrated over time. But there's no excuse for expressing it to those that God has entrusted to you. Now, there, there has to be open communication. Yeah, you got to communicate things. Sometimes things have to be said, but there are ways to do things. There are ways to do this. What should he have done? I, my, my honest opinion, he should have gone back and prayed a little more. <laughs> he should have gone back and taken that to the God and dealt with that a little bit more before he took that to them. Verse 11, it says, And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. So he strikes it, not just once like he did in his anger, not just once like he did in Exodus 17 like God told him to do, but he strikes it twice. And it says, And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank their livestock. And so God, God does what he says he's going to do. God, God fulfills his promise. He brings them water. He takes care of them. But Moses strikes it twice. Verse 12, And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Wow. Wow. On first glance, that's pretty tough, isn't it? Moses has been leading these people for 40 years. He's been leading them longer than that. He's been leading them all this time since Egypt to go into the promised land. And so God tells him, you can't go. Why is it so harsh? Why is it so harsh? Well, let's keep thinking about it. What did he do wrong? Look at verse uh, 13 first. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarrel with the Lord and through him he showed himself holy. That's important. But here's what Moses did wrong here. I, I really think two things. He 
and this is really the, the grand picture, if you want to talk about it that way. If you're looking at Scripture from the grand picture, this is what he did wrong. He struck it twice when God told him to do it once. This same rock is mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4. Who does it represent? Anybody got a clue? Christ. That's right. It represents Christ, the rock. In verse 4, 1 Corinthians 10, it says the Israelites all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And Jesus, remember, Jesus only had to be struck once. He only had to be struck once for our sin. Hebrews 10, verse 10 says, And by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So here's what Moses did. Moses messed up. He not only messed up in the small, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, the small picture right then, but he, ought, but he, in the big picture of Christ, he, this rock was meant to be a picture of Christ. So Moses messed it up. He messed up the representation of who Christ was supposed to be in this moment. Yeah, I know you can talk about Christ and not, not being body yet, not being incarnated. But as we know from, uh, from Joel's preaching, Jesus was there in the Old Testament, wasn't he? Joel was there, I mean, uh, uh, Jesus was there in the Old Testament. He, Joel, Joel wasn't in the Old Testament, was he? That, that'd, be, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? Joel, you can hear me now, you can get me later for that. Anyway, uh, but Jesus was there in the Old Testament. So, this, uh, so in his disobedience, Moses failed to portray Christ in that moment. Listen to this, a commentator said, The lesson is clear, grace is never a ground for complacency or presumption. By our carelessness, by our sinful neglect, we can send away forever some of the privileges of our calling, not salvation itself, but our opportunities for service, our possibility for usefulness, our contribution to the ongoing purposes of God. And here's where it applies to you. Think about this. How many times do you miss out on being a witness for Christ? How many times do you miss out on representing Christ in your home, in your community? How many times do you miss out just because uh, you just... You don't feel like it that day. I would say we probably all do that, maybe even once a day at least. We just decide we're, 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 we're going to be comfortable over here, and we're not going to do that. And so uh, we do what Moses did. Moses in his disobedience without having a clear picture of what he was doing. I think we need to ask God to give us an open mind to what's going on around us. Uh, now, he may not tell you everything, but at least ask him to lead you and guide you in those conversations with people because you never know what that person is going through. Uh, I have the opportunity to, to serve and the, the privilege to serve as a corporate chaplain. And, and, and some days I have to remind myself of this as I'm going in to talk to people about what's going on in their lives that you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen in their lives from that moment, what's going on with them. And so my prayer is that I won't do anything to mess up what God wants to do in their life. That ought to be our prayer every day. Amen? That ought to be our prayer. God, don't let me mess up what you're trying to do in that person's life. We do the same thing. Now, let's take a, as they call it, a macro view, the smaller view of what's happening right here. Maybe for the story, uh, for the Old Testament story, yes, we want to talk about Jesus, but let's talk about context, what happened here 
uh, with Moses. That's the second thing. Notice that Moses asked. What does Moses ask in chapter 20, uh, verse, uh, verse 10? Not asked. It's what he, what he tells him. He says, here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? What is he saying here? He, he asked them that. He and Aaron are making themselves equal with God. Notice what God said in verse 12. He said, they didn't uphold God as holy. They didn't shine God's glory for his people as they should as his chosen leaders. If you're a leader in this church, you better take it very seriously. Amen? You better take it very seriously that you are a leader for Jesus in everything that you do. Uh, everywhere you are, whether you're here or whether you're somewhere else. Uh, I have to remind myself of this every day. We, we are a representative for Jesus, representative for his church. We're representative for his people. We are a part. We, we, we talk about this on Covenant Sunday. We, uh, we are a part of each other, and everything we do affects everybody else. We have to keep those things in mind. We have to uplift God as holy, not only if you're a leader in the church, but you have to lift up God as holy in your life. Moses didn't do that. Moses committed sacrilege, if you want to call it that way. He did not believe God enough. What could God have done through Moses in the promised land if he had made the choice to believe God and believe that God was going to take care of the situation? He allowed his anger to take over. He allowed his frustration. He allowed that to happen. And not only that, Moses decided to do what was comfortable for him. What was comfortable was, what was comfortable was him, uh, what was comfortable was striking that rock, striking it, uh, because he had done that before. He had done it before, yet God this time told him, speak to the rock. Don't strike it. Listen, when, when we're coming, especially as we're moving into a new period of our church history, we've got to realize God may have something totally new for us to do. He may have something totally new. I love that about Grace Life. Grace Life is not afraid to take a step of faith. Grace Life is not afraid to take a challenge for God. But I want, to, I want to challenge you in these moments as we're thinking and praying about our move to Shadow Lake. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Whenever the frustrations come, and they will, whenever things begin to happen, we get angry at this person, don't do what we do a lot of the time. A lot of the time in our churches, when we get upset about something, what's the first thing we do? I'm going to go visit so-and-so Baptist church down the road here, so-and-so non-denominational church, whatever. We, we decide we got to go do something different. Listen, let's have the maturity to not do that. Let us have the maturity to believe God that he's going to use us in this situation. We stick it out. We pray. We seek God. Now, I get it. There are times whenever God leads you to leave, okay, that's fine. But whenever you as a leader in the church especially face challenges, don't, don't turn the other way. Stand up to that challenge and do what God would have you to do. F.B. Meyer says this, the great Bible commentator. He points out, that Moses may have been trusting more in his rod than in the Lord. God had used Moses' rod to turn the Nile to blood and to separate the Red Sea. When, when we've seen a method that works, our tendency is to rely on the method for results, not on the Lord. Faith had been Moses' strong point up until now. But our greatest strengths are often our greatest points of vulnerability. If I'm a strong preacher, I may mistakenly think, that all I need to do is use my proven method and natural ability and everything will go well. So we have to be on guard against the sin of unbelief in God. 
which always means that we're trusting in ourselves. We must do that. So uh, George, George Mueller is a, is a guy that has been, was a preacher way back in when he was a missionary. And uh, uh, it was said that he was a man who prayed earnestly that he might live a life and do a work which should be convincing proof that God hears prayer and that is able to trust him at all times. And, uh, and so what Mueller did, Mueller finished well. And, and this is something he said, and I'll, I'll just close this part of the sermon with this. Mueller often advised the first business of every morning should be to secure happiness with God. I love that. That should be our first business every day is to secure happiness. Now, you can define that however you want to. What's he saying? Have your relationship with God pure and clean first thing every day. I know some people have their quiet time later in the day. That, that's fine. But you need to every day get up before your feet hit the floor or soon thereafter as you're drinking your coffee, whatever. You need to give your day to God and say, God, I want to walk in belief and not unbelief. Amen? That should be what we do. So, here's some lessons from this passage. Looking back to Egypt, one, looking back to Egypt, that is your past life, is not trusting in Jesus today. I think that's self-explanatory. Number two, realize that just because God worked in one way in the past doesn't mean that he will do the same today or in the future. He has a greater plan. In fact, depending on what is comfortable for you is unbelief. Believe that God will guide you in the future that he has for you. Leaders, always keep your heart in tune with God. Be willing to step out of your comfort zone and believe God for the results. And then three, fully trusting God means daily surrendering to him in prayer. And it's a daily surrender. You have to do that. So this morning, uh, as we close, now when, I, when the pastor says as we close, everybody picks their Bible up and they do that, right? Don't do that because we're not done yet, okay? Give me a few more minutes and we'll be done. But uh, I want to do an object lesson for you, uh, which, as I said, I found this years ago, and I think it's, I think it's pretty good, really. And so what kind of church are we going to be? In the future, what kind of church are we going to be? There are three types of churches, I believe. We're going to do some object lessons here. The first one is uh, the first kind of church is the Plato church. Plato. Does everybody know what Plato is? Anybody play with Plato? Plato. Did you play with Plato this morning? Anybody? Okay. Uh, so I think we have a picture of Plato here. Anybody? Everybody know what that is? Raise your hand if you played with it before. Yeah. I remember, do kids still do that in school today? I don't have young kids anymore, so I don't know. Do they still use that in school much? I don't know. But anyway, Plato. So the Plato church, Plato can be modeled into any shape, but once it becomes hardened, there's no changing it. You can't rework it. You can't reshape it. You can't recycle it. The first design becomes its only design. The Plato church has a tough time becoming anything that it isn't. It's hardened almost to the point of being petrified. If you even try to change the Plato church, it will fall to pieces. So let's don't be a Plato church. When you try to change it, when you try to do anything, it falls apart. I think you'd agree with me, we don't want to be a Plato church, do we? No, we don't want to be a Plato church. Second type of church is the rubber band church. Rubber bands. If anybody doesn't know what a rubber band is, you have, uh, we used to use them for newspapers. Who, who still gets a newspaper? Uh, probably a few people still do, but that's, that's something that's going away. Uh, but rubber bands are things we use for different things in the house. Do you still keep a rubber band drawer? Anybody keep one of those? A few people do, uh, but that's something that we've had. But a rubber band has its uses. It can be stretched, but only to a limit. 
It has pretty limited use and a basic purpose to hold things together and wrap things up. If left to itself, it will snap back to its original shape, which can be any of a number of shapes. The rubber band church can reach to accommodate, but only to a point. Anything new that tries to squeeze its way into the bulk of ministry the rubber band church is already holding together will cause a little too much stress, stretching the church almost to the breaking point. The rubber band church longs to snap back to the way it was with the cry of, this is how we were meant to be. You ever heard that before? <laughs> uh, we're going to keep doing this because we've always done it that way. That is a familiar refrain of this kind of church. Don't be a rubber band church. Don't be a rubber band Christian. Allow God to stretch you. If you're a rubber band, you're going to break eventually and fall apart. So the third kind of church that we, that we see is the silly putty church. Silly putty. Silly putty. Everybody know what silly putty is? It's not a rubber band. We have a little video that will show you what where silly putty is. Hello there. Anybody remember this? You no, know, I've been all around this wonderful world of ours, and in all of this world, nothing else is silly putty. What is silly putty? Well, it's a real solid liquid. If you put it so, it'll go forever, like taffy. But if you give it a sharp tug, it'll break like a biscuit. Now, when you make silly putty round, and drop it, it'll bounce higher than a rubber ball. And here's something else you can do with Silly Putty. Flatten it, press a picture in your newspaper, lift it, stretch it this way and that, and you'll get something that's really funny. Always put your Silly Putty back in its egg, or it will run slowly away. You can buy Silly Putty for one dollar wherever toys are sold. And remember, nothing else is Silly Putty. All right. So I ask who remembers that commercial. You want to dare say if you remember. Oh, I see a few hands. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, silly putty. I, I don't know how. I, I see it in the store every now and then now. And when I've done this before, I've gotten the object lesson for it. But I love silly, silly putty. I still do. I, I, I guess I'm a kid at heart in some ways. But silly putty can be stretched without breaking, as he said. It can be broken, then brought back to its original composition. Silly putty was first just labeled as bouncing putty in 1949 because of its ability to bounce back. Silly putty has the unique ability to reproduce pictures when it's pressed on the newsprint, and it's a lot of fun, of course. It's bought by the pound for fun and games, but it's also a way of relieving corporate and personal stress. If you're a manager of a company, you might try to throw it around the boardroom. That might be fun. So uh, Silly Putty has been sold in small amounts in the classic plastic egg, but this stuff is best enjoyed in bulk. Technical name of this now generic substance is Dow Corning Dilatant Compound 3179. Five points, five pounds of it is, well, pretty silly. Ten pounds of the stuff is enough to transfer a whole page of comics or to make a humongous Super Bowl or to lighten up dour faces in a boardroom. So, the Silly Putty Church. I think you kind of know maybe where I'm going here. Silly Putty Church is willing to be stretched. In fact, it's been designed to stretch. It also realizes that sometimes to be used by God, a church has to be broken so that God can put it back together by his design. The Silly Putty Church knows that there will be bumps and spills along the way, but has the amazing ability to bounce back. It may even bounce around on purpose once in a while, 
just to shake things up. It's the kind of church that people have fun with. They come to be involved in the reproduction process, letting Jesus imprint upon them his character, his desires, his passions, so that they may be reproductions of Jesus in this world. I want to challenge you, Grace Life, in this next season that we're about to walk into, I want to challenge you to be a silly putty church. Yeah, that might be silly to you, but I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. If you don't think about anything from this message, I hope you remember more than that, but I hope you remember that we need to be a silly putty church. We need to be a silly putty church that can be pulled and stretched, but yet we stay together, that has the imprint of Christ on our lives. Uh, we must have that imprint if we're going to be the witness to this world that we need to be. If we're going to be reaching our community the way we need to once we get there, we already are reaching our community, but let's continue doing the work that God has called us to do. And going back to what we talked about earlier, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your day-to-day -day life. What, what has God put before you right now? What has God put before you that he wants you to do? I want to challenge you, to challenge you this morning, to think about what, what could happen if you just believe God. Maybe there's a new area of ministry you need to be involved in. Maybe there's an area of the church that you want to be involved in. Maybe God's calling you to teach a Sunday school class, a Bible study class. Maybe God's calling you to be a part of the worship team, the security team. So many things around this church. Maybe to go on a mission trip with Will. Maybe to go to Belize with Will. Maybe to go across the world to share Jesus. Maybe to go across the street. I want to tell you, if you're not doing it right now, it's, it's a matter of belief. It's what it all boils down to. Do you believe that God is big enough to use you to make a difference in somebody's life? Do you believe that God can use you to touch somebody else's life? I, want to, I can tell you beyond a doubt, if you'll put yourself out there every day and say, God, here I am. Use me to make a difference in somebody's life all around me. If you do that, I can promise you God's going to use you to do that. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to pray, and after we pray, we're going to have a time of worship. And if God's, God's touched your heart today, if you want me to pray with you about something, I'll be here at the front. I'll be worshiping as well. But I want to challenge you today. Commit yourself again to serving God with all of your heart. Commit yourself to believing God. If you're a leader in this church especially, I want to challenge you staff i want to challenge you to allow god don't don't just rely on what's comfortable don't just rely on your comfort zone allow god to move you out of that believe god that he is going to use you to make a difference in so many people's lives let's pray heavenly father i praise you today for your word god there's so much truth in your word god we could never exhaust it even if we tried god i thank you for the story of Moses and Aaron, the people of Israel. I thank you for what it teaches us about belief in you and unbelief. God, when we don't believe you, there are serious consequences in our lives. God, I pray for everyone here today, God, whatever they're going through. Maybe someone here today is struggling, struggling with issues in their life, struggling with physical things, struggling with a, maybe even a chemical problem today. Somebody's struggling with a relational problem. Maybe somebody here today doesn't know you doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. God, I pray today, God, that they'll believe you. They'll believe that Jesus did what he said he did on the cross, that he died and rose again the third day. And God, he wants to make a difference in every person's life here, God. 
God, I pray you'll help us, Lord, as we move out into this new era in our church of Grace Life. God, I pray we'll continue to be extenders of grace. We'll continue to, to be your imprint. Lord, I pray that you will imprint yourself on us. Help us to put ourselves in that place, God, where you can imprint on us, just like that silly putty. God, that you will shine or bright through us as we seek to reach our communities, as we seek to reach those around us. Father, I pray you bless the